Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Adventures of Flash. This is episode 10 tonight. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Tonight, due to the overwhelming response from our listeners, we're going to have some spooky Thanksgiving stories. Uh, we've had we've had an overwhelming response for everybody wanting us to do them haunted house podcasts and some more horror stuff, so... Tonight I'm throwing that together for you guys. It's uh, some pretty cool stories. And after that, we're going to go into questions and answers. And I'm throwing a shout-out to my girl, Annette. Hey, Annette. Okay, everybody get ready. I hope you all enjoy this. It should be a good one tonight. Uh, This is not going to be real long, but it is pretty good. So everybody get ready, and we'll be right back with you guys. You haven't seen the sun in, like, forever, so you search for a beach vacation. Sunny beaches, sandy beaches. For a little context, I am currently a senior in college and live off campus with my two best friends. This time of year, particularly around Thanksgiving, my friends try to help me stay busy as it is typically a difficult time for me. My mother left our family the week of Thanksgiving when I was eight years old, and my dad passed away five years ago on November 22nd. So as I said, it's a pretty easy time of year to get myself down in the dumps if I don't stay active. Every year for the last three or four years, I have gone to one of my friend's houses to celebrate Thanksgiving with their families. But this past year, I decided I wanted to just stay home and have a mellow long weekend. I figured I could catch up on work as well as my schoolwork, which was pretty far behind. My roommates and I didn't live particularly close to the university. We lived in a suburb about 15 to 20 minutes outside of the school. This was nice because we didn't ever have to host any parties. We could just attend them near campus and head back home afterwards. Anyways, there was one house on our street that didn't quite match the others. It wasn't that the house was worse than the others, but it had no landscaping and desperately needed a fresh coat of paint. My roommates and I knew the owner as he introduced himself when we moved in a few years back. His name is Jacob. He's about five foot six and probably weighed a hundred pounds soaking wet. Every time we've had an interaction with him, he was always very nice and polite. He even helped us fix our porch light when it broke last summer. He seems to be very cordial with everyone in the neighborhood and has helped numerous people with small handy jobs similar to the one I just mentioned. On the Wednesday night leading up to Thanksgiving, my two roommates went back to their family's houses in their hometowns. They both asked several times if I was 100% sure I wanted to spend Thanksgiving alone and that I'd be fine by myself. I honestly thought I would be and thought perhaps enough time had passed that I could just focus on other things and not dwell on the past. I stocked up on Mountain Dew so I could stay awake after my assignments to play some PlayStation. At about 9 or 10 p.m., I went up to my room to throw on some sweatpants and grab the blanket from my bed. I glanced out my window and saw Jacob sitting on his front porch with the two porch lights on. I didn't think anything of it and went downstairs into the kitchen and made a peanut butter and fluff sandwich. I would say I was in the kitchen for probably about five minutes or so, finishing eating and doing a few dishes. When I finally sat down to play some games, I thought I heard something hit the front bay window so I went to take a look. At first, I didn't see anything, but then noticed that Jacob had now turned the porch lights off and was standing on his front lawn, staring at the house with his head tilted like he was looking towards the windows upstairs. 
A little creeped out, I tried calling one of my friends who knew I was still in town to see if she wanted to meet up or stop over to hang out for a little bit. She didn't answer, so I sat on the couch for a couple of moments trying to figure out what to do. He was still standing there staring and seemingly moving a few feet closer to our property each time I looked. I wasn't sure what to do. I couldn't call the cops. He hadn't done anything except freak me out a little, and to this point, he hadn't even stepped on my property. After another few minutes, I looked out the window again and saw Jacob now on our lawn looking at the corner of the house. At least that's what it looked like he was staring at. At this point, I wasn't sure what his intentions were, and I didn't want to find out. Perhaps I was blowing this out of proportion, but I was legitimately scared. I grabbed my keys and phone and a few other items, thinking I would just drive to campus. Maybe the library was still open, even though we were off for the holiday. I kept all the lights on so I didn't seem like I was leaving and decided I was going to sneak out the back door. As I quietly sneaked through the yard, I turned the corner to quickly get to my car, and there was Jacob, standing in our driveway. I asked him what he was doing in the driveway, and he put his finger over his mouth to make a shh noise. I slapped him as hard as I could and made a run for it past my car. My instincts and adrenaline told me to just run until I found someone or someplace else. As I got about a block or two down the road, I saw a bunch of cop cars pull up towards the area of my house. Confused, I began to go back towards my house, thinking perhaps another neighbor saw Jacob stalking outside of my house and called the police. As I approached the house, one of the officers asked my name and if this was my residence. I confirmed the information, and what I heard next is still the most horrifying and disturbing information I had ever received. The officer stated that Jacob reported that he was on his porch when he saw me from across the street. He saw me walk out of my upstairs bedroom, and as I walked away out of the room, he saw a man come out of my closet. Apparently that was why Jacob was looking into my room when I saw him the first time, and also why he was looking at the corner of the house. He was following the intruder who was now walking into my roommate's room. When I last saw him outside my house before I slapped him and ran in terror, Jacob stated that the random guy in my house had made it to the downstairs. Jacob was trying not to make any noise as not to alert the person inside, fearful he could be violent or dangerous. As soon as he saw the man in the house, Jacob called the authorities and did his best to try and defuse the situation and not bring any alarm to myself or the intruder. The person inside the house was arrested and taken away. He didn't have anything on him other than a knife, so it is unclear if he was attempting to rob the home or was planning something more sinister. Either way, I couldn't express to Jacob how much gratitude I had for what he did. He even tried apologizing for how he handled the situation, stating that there were probably things he could have done differently to make sure I was safe and aware of the situation. Unfortunately, this experience adds another mental scar to this time of year that will take a long time to get over. But one thing I can be sure of is that I will never spend a Thanksgiving holiday alone again. I will try to do my best to explain this occurrence exactly how I remember it, including as much detail as possible. Currently, I am in my 30s, but was still in college at the time of this experience. I went to college on the other side of the country of where I grew up. Being on a college student budget, I usually couldn't afford a fly home on Thanksgiving. 
But this year, I had some extra cash and really wanted to make it home to see my parents. When I landed back on the East Coast, I was greeted by my parents and brother. I was so overcome with emotion and elated to see them and be able to spend some time with them. We spent the day together and went to my favorite steakhouse on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. As you probably know, that Wednesday is a big party night out for people who return home to see their families. My brother was a little bummed I didn't want to go, but I was a bit jet-lagged and didn't feel like going out. Sleeping that night was more difficult than I thought. I felt exhausted, but kept tossing and turning, unable to get comfortable or fall asleep. While I was away for school, my parents sold our childhood home. They were in the process of buying a new one and were living in a small but rather nice apartment. The apartment sat on top of some local shops and, I believe, a restaurant. It really was a nice place, just too small for four adults. The next day, we had an awesome Thanksgiving meal together. We laughed and joked around, just like we used to when we were younger. After dinner, we cleaned up and put everything away and sat in the living room and told stories, continuing with the nostalgic theme of the day. However, the amazing atmosphere started to evaporate rather quickly when we heard the lady next door screaming and seemingly flipping out. The building my parents lived in had two apartments in it. He walked into the entrance on the ground level and used the staircase to get upstairs, and there was two apartments directly across from each other. My parents' apartment was on the left side and their neighbor, obviously, on the right. When a conversation got quiet, I asked my dad about the lady across the hall. He said she was always pleasant and very quiet for the most part, but apparently that was not the case tonight. She was screaming every cuss word you can imagine, just absolutely shrieking. We didn't hear another voice, so we figured she must have been on the phone. At first we tried to ignore it until we hear her say, I swear I will kill you. She said this in the most menacing and stern voice I had ever heard. After that line and a previous 20 minutes of vulgarity, my mom decided to call the police. It seemed like they didn't really want to, but were unsure of what to do about the situation. No one wanted to go over and knock on the door to talk to her. So this seemed like the only other conclusion. Shortly after my mom hung up the phone with the police, we heard the most gut-curdling scream. It sounded like the life had been sucked out of her body and was making her last gasp to survive. After that scream, we didn't hear anything. We sat in silence and looked at each other, all of us scared, uneasy. I had no clue what to do. My brother and my dad decided that they had to knock on her door to see if she was okay. My mother and I stood in our doorway as we watched them walk over, curious to see what would transpire. After a couple of seconds, a big guy answered the door, surprising as we hadn't heard another person's voice the entire time. This guy was bald, clean-shaven, and had somewhat of a beer belly. He said in a loud, aggressive voice, What do you want? My dad responded with, We just heard a lot of noise and wanted to make sure everything and everyone was okay. The man quickly retorted with, We're fine, and slammed the door in my dad's face. As they came back into the apartment, my parents said that they had never seen that man before and stated we needed to lock the doors until the police showed up. After about 10 to 15 minutes, the cops showed up and began knocking on the neighbor's door. We sat in the living room quietly, trying to see if we could hear any of the conversations that were going to occur. Suddenly, we heard shouting and what seemed like a brief struggle, or I guess sudden movement. Looking through the people, my dad told us that they were taking the guy out of the apartment in handcuffs. 
We eventually found out, after several hours of investigators, firemen, and ambulances, that the couple were severely intoxicated and had lots of paraphernalia in the house. Apparently, the larger guy attacked the woman who was now unconscious due to her injuries. Apparently, when the cops arrived, he was just watching TV like nothing had happened. My parents told me that they eventually heard their neighbor was okay for the most part and that she wouldn't suffer many long-standing injuries from this encounter. My parents were out of that apartment as quick as possible and now live in a spacious house that is much more accommodating for holidays. But at least once a year when we were all together, we bring up that night and discuss just how scary and traumatizing it really was. Groupon app is amazing. It has everything you need to keep your kids from getting bored and from you losing your mind. This is my first time posting this story anywhere. I hope you can learn from this experience and apply it if, God forbid, this would ever happen to you. I work for a company that forces me to travel a lot. I usually fly, but because I know how crazy airports are on holidays, I thought it would be a smarter decision to rent a car and drive home overnight, avoiding the nightmare that would be an airport on Thanksgiving week. I started the drive home, and even though I was a little tired, I was able to cruise from about 11 p.m. until 3 a.m., as there were barely any cars on the road. Shortly after 3 a.m., I saw a van that was sideways in the middle of the road on the highway. Thankfully, I had my brights on and was able to see the vehicle with plenty of time for a safe stop. There was also an elderly woman near the side of the road who was waiting me down. Cautiously, I slowed down and came to a stop. The woman walked up to my window, motioning for me to roll it down. I rolled it down the slightest bit, making sure even her hand couldn't get in the car. In an old cracking voice, she said, Young man, can you please help me change my tire? I glanced over and saw that she did indeed have a flat tire. She said to me again, I ran over something and my tire became flat almost instantly. And motioned to what looked like a piece of plastic in the road. I reluctantly got out of the car and walked by the van and said she needed to move it to the side of the road for safety. I told her that there was no way we could change a tire in the middle of a highway in the middle of the night. She agreed and moved it out of the road into the side of the highway. As I began to change the tire, I had a million things running through my mind. Number one being, why did I have to be the one who got flagged down? I was almost finished taking the flat tire off. When I noticed I didn't see the woman anymore, as I was providing my own light source with my cell phone, and looked up to ask if she could assist, and she was gone. I looked all around the vehicle and didn't see anybody. Nothing but pitch black darkness other than my headlights, which were providing some light in the general direction. Well, lucky for me, I had my keys in my pocket and locked my car door when I got out. I walked back over to my car, and the woman was there trying to get into my vehicle. I told her to get away from my car before I called the police. She laughed at me and said it would be at least 30 minutes until anyone showed up to where we were. Just as I was trying to get this crazy person away from my car so I could leave, I noticed a man get out of the van. He must have been laying on the floor because I didn't see anybody sitting in the seats when I walked by to begin the process of changing her flat. The man seemed to be of average build. He started to approach me. 
his hand in his pocket, which really started to make me worry about my safety. The woman then jumped on my back and attempted to choke me. I was able to shake her off quickly and elbow her directly in the throat. She began to cough and gasp incessantly, which gave me the break I needed to get away. The guy who was approaching us devoted his attention to her, and I got in that car and sped away as fast as I could. I had never driven that fast in my entire life. The adrenaline from the events fueled me for the remainder of my trip home. I know if someone else told me this story I would ask how dumb can you be and emphasize how idiotic of a decision it was to get out of that car. I'm just glad that I was able to get out of that situation unharmed and get home to my family. After police reports were called, I unfortunately never got any further information. I wish I would have glanced at their plates that may have helped in identifying them later. And please let this be a lesson to everyone out there. Trust your instincts especially in situations that can affect your safety. The story may seem more weird than truly scary to many of you. At the time, I didn't really find it scary or terrifying myself. I didn't really get that feeling until I shared this with others and got their perspective. I'd be interested to see what, if any, comments any of you have regarding this experience. This event happened with my ex-girlfriend on Thanksgiving about six years ago. For the sake of anonymity, we will call her Kay. I met Kay in college, and at first, she was great. We shared similar interests and hobbies. We clicked instantly, and for the first time, I was excited to meet the parents of my significant other. I was going to meet them on Thanksgiving so that everyone could have dinner together. Kay never really mentioned her family, so I was excited and intrigued when she asked me to join her for the holiday. Fast forward a week or so, and Thanksgiving finally comes. I make the two-hour drive to her parents' house, and my first thought as I approach the house is, Wow, this place is huge. It was a gigantic brown mansion. It was very large, but also looked very old. My best comparison is if you have ever seen the movie Clue. The outside of the house looked very similar to that, a mix between mansion and castle almost. I knocked on the door and almost immediately was greeted by a strange looking guy. He was short, like five foot flat. He was bald and wearing an eye patch. I said, Hey, uh, is Kay here? I'm her boyfriend. He just proceeded to look at me and didn't answer. After a few awkward seconds, Kay walked over and happily greeted me and let me inside. As we walked away, she said in her soft voice, Oh, don't mind him, that's just Eugene. He's, like, I guess, kind of my uncle. Kind of weird way to put it, I thought, but whatever, I didn't think too much of it. As we walked through the house, I was blown away. I'd never seen anything like it. The ceilings were really high and the walls were covered with religious iconography. I wasn't raised with religion, so some of the images were foreign to me. Kay and I arrived and sat in what I assumed was the living room. There was no TV, no radio, just couches and some paintings all over the wall. The paintings seemed to cram together, trying to fit them all on the wall. An odd choice for such a nice home. After a couple of minutes, her parents walked in. Her dad was clean-shaven with wild flowing hair and glasses that were just big enough for his eyeballs. And her mom had long black hair that went all the way down to her back and reached her legs. It looked like they were in their mid-sixties, if I had to guess. I was introduced, and we made small talk. 
It really wasn't that bad. There was no awkward pauses. But her parents were not what I expected. They seemed a little strange or eccentric, I guess. While the four of us talked basically about school, Eugene came and stood in the doorway and began watching us. After a few more minutes of talking about school, her dad got up and said he had a surprise for us. He walked into the other room and brought out a lime green stereo boombox that looked like something straight out of the 90s. In his almost comical voice, he said, This one is for you two. I hope you like it. It used to be Kay's favorite. I looked at Kay and she was smiling. I can't even imagine what my face looked like. Confused, surprised, however that translates to a face. He pressed play on the stereo. Music began to play and her dad started to dance with her mom. The music, if that's what you would want to call it, was the weirdest thing I had ever heard in my entire life. It was just like banging of instruments. Very untuned instruments and other loud noises that honestly sounded like animals. Even more weird than the song that was playing were the movements of her parents. They just hopped around and were moving their bodies like they were puppets on strings or something. Thankfully, this only lasted a few minutes and we all sat down to dinner. Of course, the dining room was no different than the rest of the house. There were paintings and religious images all over the walls. We ate dinner in a combination of silence and her dad talking about politics and religion and how they were separate yet similar. I basically just stayed quiet and ate my food, which, looking back, was pretty unconventional for Thanksgiving dinner. After the meal, we went back into the living room, and that's when her father told us he had one last surprise for us. In his high-pitched voice, he shouted, It's now time for our annual Thanksgiving Day celebration. As I sat on the couch and tried to process what that could possibly mean, I noticed that more people were walking into the room. There was somebody dressed as a scarecrow, a teddy bear, a lumberjack, and one other that I think was supposed to be Jesus or some other religious figure. This is when I decided that I had had enough crazy for one night and had to get out of this place. I got up and announced to everyone that I had a family emergency and that I had to leave unexpectedly. I apologized and thanked them for everything thus far and said how happy I was to have met everyone. They all looked a little confused, especially Kay. They shared their happiness in meeting me and their enjoyment of the night and wished me well on my drive home. As I drove away, I looked through my rearview mirror. I saw Kay and her parents waving goodbye to me from the doorway. Where to begin? This is the weirdest, strangest few hours of my life. I am obviously no longer with Kay, and I honestly am not sure she even came back to school after that because I never saw her in person again. We texted for a few days after the event, and she acted like everything was normal. I broke it off before holiday break was over, thinking it would be easier to do so before I saw her in person again. I swear part of me thinks I was on a hidden camera TV show that night or something. Does anyone from a rare religious sect know if any of this is a common tradition? Or was I just in a house with a bunch of crazy people on Thanksgiving? to share this short but freaky experience I had with my family many years ago on Thanksgiving. 
This Thanksgiving, my cousins and I got together with our respective families. I was the oldest of the cousins, 11 at the time. This particular year, our families decided to go to my great-aunt's house for dinner. It was a small little farmhouse pretty much in the middle of nowhere. No one liked going there, well, at least us kids, because it was boring and there was nothing to do. My great-aunt had recently lost her husband and obviously was very upset, which is mostly the reason our families decided to go there this year. I met my great-aunt maybe once or twice in my entire life to this point, so I found this whole trip very weird and really wasn't looking forward to it. Before dinner, all of us kids decided we wanted to play hide-and-seek. Our parents let us because we could be out of their way, and as previously mentioned, there was nothing else for us to do. My cousin and I went into the basement of the house to hide. There was so much junk and old antiques down there that we could have stayed hidden and out of sight for hours. I climbed to the top of a pile of old newspapers that was backed against a dimly lit wall. I figured if I laid flat at the top, there was no way anyone could find me. Well, after a few minutes, one of my cousins did find me, and when I tried to get down, my foot got caught on something, and I slipped and fell off the side and put a small hole in the wall. At first, we were freaked out because we thought we were going to get in a lot of trouble for doing damage to the house. While we were trying to think of a story to cover it up and get ourselves out of trouble, my brother found a small box on the other side of the wall where I had recently put the hole. We pulled the box out and stared at it for a while, trying to see if we could open it. It had an entire layer of dust on it that didn't come off when we tried to blow on it. My cousin Sarah was fearless, and she grabbed the box from us and opened it. At first, we all felt like we won the lottery. It was filled with 20s, 50s, and 100s. We were young, but we knew this was a lot of money. As we looked through the money, we eventually got to the bottom of the box, and this is where the excitement vanished. There was a small knife that looked like it had dried blood on it, and next to it was what looked like a skeletal finger or maybe even a toe. Of course, we all screamed and ran upstairs crying to our parents. Our parents looked at us very confused as to what happened. We all tried to blurt out our version of the story until... As calm as can be, my great-aunt giggled and said, Oh, that's just Bob's box from when he used to mess around with his army buddies. I haven't seen that since his friend Raymond passed away. Well, fast forward years later, this story came up again, and we all tried to figure out what all that meant and what we actually found. After consulting with our family, the story goes that our great-uncle Bob was involved in all sorts of crime in the Chicago area, he made a lot of dirty money, and eventually gave it up when he had a family. Our family didn't have an answer as to the contents of the box or whose missing finger that could possibly be. Every year for Thanksgiving, my wife and I travel to her parents' house to relax for a few days watch football, eat tons of food, and go Black Friday shopping. Two years ago, I was unable to make this trip due to an incident that happened with one of our dogs. On Tuesday night of Thanksgiving week, around 11 p.m., I let our golden retriever out to go to the bathroom before I went upstairs to bed for the night. When I came back outside to let her in, she was barking very violently, sounding like she was going after another animal. When she made it into the garbage, it was apparent what happened. She had been sprayed in the face by a skunk. Fast forward 24 hours and we are dealing with a house and a dog that reeks like skunk. 
Needless to say, I offered to stay home with the two dogs while my wife made the trip to her parents. We couldn't travel with the dog, and we certainly needed to do some maintenance to try and get the smell out of the house. My wife left on Wednesday, the same day I took the dog to the groomers and began cleaning and airing out the house. After this experience, I felt it necessary to go outside with the dogs every time I left them out in the backyard, whether it was day or night, to make sure there were no further issues with a skunk. I hadn't noticed anything out of the ordinary until Wednesday night, when it seemed like our shed doors had been opened slightly. Since it was that time of the year where it got dark out very early in the day, I had grown accustomed to having a flashlight with me to check the backyard before I let the dogs out. Unfortunately, we didn't have a motion light or any sort of light for the backyard, so the only source of light was the flashlight. With the dog still in the garage, I made my way to the shed to see why or what caused the door to be ajar. When I got into the shed, I thankfully didn't see any skunk or any other animal. I did, however, see a dirty towel, which I didn't remember leaving there, but I thought perhaps it was from when I was working on the lawnmower or snowblower. The next 20-ish hours went by without incident. I was spending Thanksgiving alone with my stinky dog in my stinky house, and we were getting ready to go to bed for the night. I did my normal routine of going outside with a flashlight, making sure the coast was clear before I let the dogs out of the garage. However, this time, as I was moving my flashlight across my large backyard, I flashed it towards the side of the shed to illuminate if there was anything behind it. Absolute panic set in as I saw a hooded figure behind the shed. I instinctively started to yell at the figure, asking what they were doing. By the time I went back to the garage to let our dogs out to go after the intruder, he was gone, and there was no one in my backyard. Freaked out, I contacted my wife to let her know what I had seen. She advised me to call the cops, but I decided I would just monitor the backyard for a while and ignore it if nothing further happened. About an hour later, I decided to take the flashlight and go to the window in my kitchen and shine it out into the backyard rather than go outside first. When I did this, the shine of the light caught the same hooded figure going into the shed and shutting the door behind them. At this point, I didn't know what to do. Let the dogs out, call the cops, confront the person myself. I honestly was frozen in shock. Trying to think quickly, and not wanting the person to get away, I grabbed a screwdriver to jam into the openings in the handles to prevent the shed door from opening from the inside. After I did this, I immediately called the police. The person was slamming on the shed, trying anything they could to get out. When the police arrived, they took him away. Thankfully, from the conversation I had with them, he didn't have any weapons on him. I'm not sure what the intent of the person was. Were they just trying to scare me? Were they drunk from drinking all day from Thanksgiving and didn't know where they were? I still have many unanswered questions from that night, including if the person was in the shed the night before, and that's why it was left ajar. Perhaps he was just a squatter. Either way, there was no further incident after this issue, and thankfully my dog has also remained skunk-free since then. We now have motion lights installed in our backyard, which will hopefully prevent anyone from trying to break in to our property again. Hey, I hope y'all enjoyed them spooky Thanksgiving uh, story. Uh, another week has passed by, and uh, as usual, I got uh, questions that's been sent in, but I was going to let everybody know that 
I got an email from uh, one of our listeners uh, earlier uh, part of last week after I did my last podcast, and they say that uh, they think that their house is haunted and that they've been having some electrical problems, you know, uh, with surges and lights coming on and going off and everything. And I said, well, have you had an electrician check your house? And they said uh, that they had just had their house completely redone a couple of years ago, and uh, it was uh, uh, close to some Indian mounds. And I said, would I like to come over and check it out? And I said, why, sure, uh, I'll come over and check it out. So in uh, the next week or so, we're going to go over and check that out. Maybe that'll be another good one. We never did get a hold of the mother folks. Uh, we didn't go on the road this week. Uh, the weather has not been exactly cooperative, and uh, we want to pick a good time to do that. We don't want to have to dodge no windstorms or or anything like that. And uh, we've got a slew of questions this week, and uh, I'm just going to go from the... Uh, top of the list and I'm going to go down a few of them and I'm going to try to answer them and um, this has been a good week uh, things is rolling along good uh, Thanksgiving was good this year uh, Christmas is coming up and I know this is a good family time for everybody and uh, I appreciate if everybody would listen in on my co- podcast get all your families to listen in this is a family podcast uh we don't uh, do any profanity or anything, so we're going to jump right off into them questions now, and I'm going to say it just like I do on every podcast. Keep all those questions and stuff rolling on in. Uh, that's part of what my podcast is. It's y'all's podcast, okay? The first question comes from Ariel she in Flint, Michigan. She asked, Flash, can I co-host your podcast sometime? Well... You know, we've talked about that extensively, and we've decided that every listener that uh, sends in a request to be a co-host, we're going to put them all in a hat. We're going we're gonna to make them all up. We're going to put them all in a hat, and then we're going to pick one out. We're going to just reach in at random and pick one out and let one of the listeners be the guest podcast uh, co-host on a future episode. So that's your answer to that, Ariel. Uh, I think uh, that'll be pretty cool, and uh, I think uh, all the listeners will enjoy that. Thank you for that uh, question, and keep them coming on. The next question is from Blair in Brick Township, New Jersey. I've never heard of it, but I guess that's where she lives. She asks, are all the stories from the adventures of Flash true? Uh, Yes, they are, Um, just like the stories that... uh, the spooky Thanksgiving stories that you just heard, uh, I've been guaranteed that every one of them has been sent in from a listener, and they've all said that they're true. Now, that's their perception of being true, so, you know, you have to take it like that, but anything Flash tells you is going to be true. If Flash tells you ant can pull an 18-wheeler, you better go out there and hook it up. Okay, thank you for that, Blair. Keep them coming on in. Question three comes from Lacey in Sunland Park, New Mexico. She asked, has Flash ever thought about visiting New Mexico? Well, you know, 
Several years ago, I drove across New Mexico, but I didn't really have time to stop and check everything out. And New Mexico is really a pretty state, man. I really would like to go and spend some time in New Mexico. Uh, I think it would be really cool. She also adds that she would be glad to show Flash New Mexico. And she says, please tell some more stories about celebrities you have met and more stories about the WWE. Uh-oh. I didn't see that on there when I first read it. Well, the celebrity stories I won't mind telling, and I might even talk about the WWE some because I have just about every episode. Uh, somebody asked me something about the WWE, and, uh, you know, I was listening to some interviews from some pretty... Uh, famous people that worked for them, and uh, I was going to play one of them on my podcast, but there was quite a bit of profanity in it, and uh, I really don't want to put it on here because I don't want the younger listeners to hear it, but if I get enough requests, I'll go ahead and play a couple of those. But anyway, here's what I think about, this is Flash's opinion, uh, Vince McMahon, which now I'm going to get some flack from this. Uh, I might lose a few followers. Uh, no telling, you know. I'm going to get some flack and some uh, blowback from this. I think Vince McMahon and Triple H and all the people that run the WWE needs to get them a big rowboat with a hole in it and roll right out into the middle of the ocean, and you figure out you add the rest of it to it. <laughs> Y'all, the listeners, add the rest to that story. Okay, thank you for that question. That's what I think about the WWE, too. And, uh, yes, I'd like to come to New Mexico, and uh, uh, I wouldn't mind uh, you showing me New Mexico. I appreciate that. Uh, Lacey, I appreciate that. Keep them questions coming in, and... uh, Send me some uh, pictures and stuff of New Mexico. I, I think New Mexico is very interesting. And, you know, Flash really thinks that he might have been reincarnated from Doc Holliday or one of them dudes from that was in New Mexico back in them days. So keep that stuff coming on. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. This is from... This is from Tara in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Tara states she is a regular listener to the Adventures of Flash podcast, and her question is, would I do another podcast on scary stories or visit some more haunted houses? Well, I had about 300 requests to do that, and that's why that I put the stories on tonight, and that's why I'm saying that I'm going to go check out that other house. I'm doing exactly what the listeners want me to, and yes, uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do, Tara. And we've uh, we've covered that ground, and we're going to continue to cover it. We've got just a massive amount of people that's interested in haunted houses and those stories like that. Thank you for the interest in my podcast. Okay, let's move right on along. This is question number five. I'm not going to be able to go over all 600 of these questions. I'm just going to run over five or six of them tonight. We might cover, we'll cover some later. Uh, question five comes from Alania in Saratova, Russia. Wow, that's a good one right there. 
She says she attends a university in Moscow and has become fluent in English. Mm, that's cool. She says she loves this podcast and listens to every episode. She asks if I've ever thought about marrying... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I didn't see that part on there. She asks, has Flash ever thought about marrying a Russian woman? Whoa, I'm a man. Well, you know, Flash has been married a few multiple times, and uh, I had never really thought... <laughs> Wait a minute, people. I had never really thought about marrying a Russian woman, but I guess they're just like every other woman, and uh, I love women. So the qu answer to that would be I had never thought about it, but it would be okay. Uh, she says she's been told she's a knockout and wants to move to America. Well, the only thing I can say is come on to America, uh, but don't join in one of those caravans because if you do, you're probably not going to get over the border. But go through all the right channels and come over here. Uh, if you're a knockout, we need you over here. Okay, that's my answer to that. And I appreciate those questions, man. Them some good ones. And uh, I think I'm going to cut the questions off right there. And um, I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Uh, we're really having some bad weather. I don't know if y'all been hearing all the noise or anything, but we got like 40 mile an hour wind blowing in here tonight. And uh, the temperature is uh, was in the 60s today, and it's supposed to get down to 25 tonight. So... That'll probably tell you guys a lot about what kind of weather issues that we're having here. And uh, I don't know if y'all heard all the the rattling around and uh, the windows cracking and all that crap, but it's uh, pretty awesome, especially when you're doing a spooky podcast like we did tonight. Uh, this week... Uh, like I said, it's been a pretty good week. We're going to keep on rolling with our podcast. And uh, I'm wanting some guests to come on here. But so far, after my two guests that one night, the WWE, I say I'm talking about them again, knocked them out of coming out here. Everybody else wants Flash to pay them a lot of money to come on here. All the celebrities want money to come over here. So we're going to try to work that out. But... Flash is not going to give those guys, uh, them big crybabies that make all that money, I'm not going to give them a bunch of money to be on my podcast for 10 minutes. So we're, we're going to work that out. We're going to get somebody that wants to be on the podcast, but we're going to have to keep on uh, trying to find some more. I got two people that's committed now, but... Uh, I held off on getting them on here because of my work schedule, and my work schedule has been really hectic here lately. And uh, I guess I will throw one. I, I just I pulled it up. I guess I will throw one of those uh, people that talks about uh, the WWE. I might throw them up on here, and I hope I don't get sued. Y'all get ready for this one. This is Road Warrior Animal. I've ever seen anybody, including Stone Cold, have Vince more wrapped or in the 
the palm of his hand at Sean Michael. Uh, Sean I don't know if it's a sexual. I don't know if it's a sexual deal they got going on because I've heard this about both of them. I don't know what it is, but that Sean Michael's got away more crap than I've seen from anybody. Just the matter of fact, when they got the hair fight, holy match between him and Bret Hart. And believe me, if everybody would have broken up, Bret Hart would. You would have killed Sean. But the thing is, they're both pulling hair. And there's Pat Bass going, fuck hell, fuck hell. I don't break, I don't break up fights. I said I don't want anybody breaking up mine either. And so, right there was the end, the beginning of the end for Bret Hart. That's because that tells me something. To me, as a heterosexual man, tells me maybe there's something going on with these two. Where after 17 years of Bret Hart. Yeah. Who stayed there, worked there every day, worked his ass out, and didn't get time off with phony, phony injuries like Shawn Michaels. Uh, I just, I could never understand. It. I said, "There's something going on here." I think it's a, I think it's a. I used to call it a ball and cock contract. You know, you might not want to pretend. You might not. WWF, all the guys got along. All the guys got along except certain people like us didn't get along with Vince. So therefore, if you don't get along with Vince, you don't want to brown nose him, kiss his ass, or uh, if he tells me to do one thing, if he tells me to let go left, I'm going right. Yeah. I mean, shove it up your ass. Literally, look at Vince the last two years before we, we were out of there. Yeah. He did just totally annihilate us, only because that was where his evil intentions were. Probably yeah, the thing with the doll. Go ahead, sorry. The thing with 90 to 92, I personally more than Joe drove him nuts. So when he got his back, it was almost like he had a vendetta for us. That was because we are that big of a thorn in Vince McMahon's side. Because we speak the truth. We go in the, we go in the locker room and go, well, this is fucked, or that's fucked, or you're fucking up there, or they're fucking us. And uh, Vince McMahon has taken me an animal side many times. You guys got to be careful what you say in the locker What are you talking about? This is free speech. He says, well, you know, guys tend to listen to you. I said, well, then buy him earplugs. I said, the bottom line is, Vince, I'm not going to change. Joe's not going to change. I said, everything well in our career. We were thankful. We were humble. We thanked the guys that helped us. We thanked the promoters that helped us. Until we got to you in 90 to 92 this last time, where you consistently lied to us. You know, we've always been in this business until we had to do what we did last time because of those Vince, where the guys are part of a whole gimmick. Or gigs. Hey, we're the guys say what we're going to do, and we do it. Right, right. Now, we've always done it. And we would try to be businessman this last time around with Vince, and then he there's the knife in the back of But him. if Vince you know. ever sees it, I'd like to thank you both from the bottom of our hearts for that huge last year's worth of contract for paying and working and doing nothing. I was on the beach every day, Vince. I bet you were. I bet you were holed up in some stinky, lousy <laughs> arena telling people what to do. But for a guy like you, being that you think you're freaking God, I bet you were having fun. But I'll tell you what, I talk to God on a regular basis. You know what? You're going to hell. <laughs> oh, man. Let me ask you this. Who is your... I hope Flash don't get sued for that. That was the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk, talking about Vince McMahon. And uh, I decided to go ahead and play it. Uh, I got like a million of different interviews uh, talking about him, but... Uh, a lot of them is more profanity, and that had a couple words of profanity, and I want to apologize to all my listeners out there for that, but I wanted you guys to hear that, and uh, uh, <laughs> that way you can get an idea of what all the people that's worked for him said, and uh, I hope I don't get sued or get a desist and desist order next week from the WWE, but if I do, you can stick it, Vince. 
Okay, everybody, I appreciate y'all tuning in this week. And uh, next uh, week, we're going to be right back with another episode. And we might have some surprises for you, just like we did tonight. Uh, Our podcast is going to change from week to week and time to time. And there's no telling what that we're going to have on here. Hey, we don't even know what we're going to do ourselves. So that makes it more interesting. And thank you, folks, for tuning in. I love you guys. Come on back next week. Yeah, baby.